With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, world? This is your man, Nick Eden, and I am here with the talk of the town. I know you're going to dig this. Thank you to the hometown Martinette in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millett and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. with Nick Eden. I am your host, Nick Eden. I got my man Al with me. No, you don't. I think he's asleep. All right. No. Okay. Uh, and I got some chicken soup. This is me and you, man. Oh, okay. We like, uh, what's the name I thought it was your Skype tonight. It's me and you. That, that right there, Al. Don't do that, my mom. I know, man. It was it sounded real bad, though. But you know. yeah, oh, that was horrible. What you got to tonight, man? I'm not a singer. Oh, well, we know that. <laughs> I'm not a singer, man. What, what's going on over that bowl? What, what, I, what I got in the cup, bowl? man? Some water. H two illegal. Yeah, the ice cream. I guess you uh, took uh, Doctor Reed's advice. Eight glasses a day. Wow. Right. I enjoyed Look, that show, man. If you guys missed this past Sunday, we had a great show. I'm talking about this was a great informative show. I think everybody walked away from the show just a, a, a little bit smarter. Uh, we talked about nutrition. Are you what you eat? Uh, we had uh, someone come in and talk, um, Dr. Jamie Reed who is actually a long-time listener of the Middleman Talk Show and Talk of the Town with Nick Eden. And he came in, when I tell you, he dropped some knowledge on us just about things that we eat and that we put in our bodies on a daily basis that we thought were okay for us, but they're not really that all right. It's a little crazy. So, yes, sir. If you, you know, if you get a chance, man, definitely go back and check the archives and, um, and, and check that one out. Check that one out. This week has been one of those weeks in entertainment. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people have started to um, 
I don't know, I guess they feeling themselves. I don't know if it's because we're getting around to the to the holidays, you know, uh, people letting a lot of stuff out, you know, a lot of stuff they wasn't supposed to let out. Um, prime example, earlier this week, uh, rapper Common, he um, he revealed to the world pretty much how Erica Badu broke up with him years ago. Now, if you remember, you know, if you, we all know Erica Badu, whatever she does to rappers, yeah, I don't know, it completely changes them, but... Um, he was on and he was on an interview with uh Wendy Williams and uh he talked about how Erica broke up with him over the phone. Uh she said uh, he was on he was at his hotel, he was on tour, and she called him and she was like, uh, hey, I don't wanna be in this relationship anymore. I'm I'm liking somebody else. And then that was just it. But, Nick, don't that sound so juvenile? We ain't go together no more. I know she hood. But, dang. That's, that's that Dallas in her, man. I'm just, I'm just Over saying. the phone? Over the phone. Huh. I wouldn't have told nobody that, but. Yeah, yeah I definitely wouldn't have told anybody that. Like, I mean, it, especially, honestly, uh, after all this time, yeah, I would have just kept that to myself. Yes, sir. I wouldn't have let nobody know. Hey, but I'm going to tell that you something. Have you seen that Window C video now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have been I, upset, I too. Yeah, I would have been very upset. Like you said, I don't know what she's doing to these cats, man. She got that voodoo. Hmm. Well, um, speaking of people that just... You know what? I'm actually glad that he actually said something. Uh, this actually just happened this morning. Um, R. Kelly was on radio at uh, WGCI, uh, the morning ride in Chicago, and he had a little bit of something to say about Trey Songz. Now, you know, for the last couple of years, Trey Songz has really been trying to, he's been throwing jabs at R. Kelly, you know, recording diff songs at him and saying how, you know, how, you know, R. Kelly is washed up and this and that, and, you know, he's this now, he's that now, and, and you know, for the most part, R. Kelly kind of kept quiet. He didn't, he didn't say anything. Until this morning. And he said, you know, I know that Trey Songz has the potential if he keeps it with the hits, but he just needs to humble himself a little bit more. And, you know, if he does, then he'll definitely be one of the runners-up. He ain't say you know. It's, and then they asked him about well, the, some of the past attacks, and R. Kelly went on to say, you know, he's pretty numb to it, you know. He was like, I'm bulletproof when it comes to beef. I don't deal with beef. I eat steak. You know, it's just, you know, my my thing is, Trey Songz, he, he got to get, get to the level of his first album. Get to the level of R. Kelly's first album before you start throwing jazz. That's what I don't like about this new generation of singers. They get a couple songs on 106 and Parker, and they swear up and down they are. Just a new thing. You have no idea. R. Kelly has, off of his first album, outsold collectively all the male R&B singers that are out right now. Anyway, on the sales front, uh, another decent week. Um, Lil Wayne is back at number one with his uh, with his new album, The Carter Four Thousand. Uh, he sold two hundred six thousand copies. Uh, it's down seventy nine percent from his uh, nine sixty five the week before. Uh, you know, it's still doing pretty good. Adele, she is staying in the top. She's number two this week with one hundred nineteen thousand sold. This is taking her well over three million sold for her new album Twenty One here in the U S. Um, 
Let's see. Jay Z and Kanye West they're coming in at number six with their uh, their album Watch the Throne with forty eight thousand. And rounding out the top ten once again is Beyonce with her new album Four at twenty four thousand. She's just over maybe one point five mil. So she's doing pretty well, um, especially considering you know she's about to take another break because of her pregnancy and everything. Other than that, entertainment. Speaking of Jay Z and Beyonce, (laughs) so now they've been saying for years that Jay Z had a secret love child, and um, they've got at this point the the young man who they're claiming is his child is nine years old. Apparently, the man who thought he was the child's father has come forth, and he said that this is my baby. Mama got paid a million dollars to keep it on the hush, plus she gets child support. This is not my baby I don't claim any responsibility to this baby And this is Jay-Z's child Now of course Jay-Z's camp has denied everything about it And they're pretty much keeping on the hush about it But hey You never know I mean The kid looks just like him I'll actually post a picture up on the Middleman Facebook page But mm, I don't know what you think about it, Kev Um yeah, it's probably his baby, man. He probably did it for a PR move. Um, really just to save face to show that he's not a deadbeat dad. You know, just try to keep his little momentum going back in the day. Because he was pretty hot. And I can see him paying the money. But I haven't seen a picture of the child. Um, once we see the picture of the child, if he got his nose or his lips, then, yeah, we know that's his baby. Oh, yeah. I can tell you definitely the kid looks like Jay-Z, which is not the best well, I hope Beyonce can make a better looking baby. Hopefully, they don't have a girl. Yeah, hopefully the child looks well. No, 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 no. This because it's not gonna matter. If they have a girl and the girl looks like Jay Z, it's gonna be horrible. I'm just saying, it's gonna be quite devastating. Yeah, yeah. No plastic surgery can help that. I'm just saying, I never take anything away from um, what Jay Z has done, but he's certainly not the the picture of attractiveness. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, I don't want him to shut down the middleman talk show, so we're going to get off I of that. Wish and we're he gonna... would. <laughs> I knew Cam was going to say something. Don't deal with Camel. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Like I said, what we're actually going to do is we're going to go into our first break of the day, and when we get back, we're going right into our topic. Today's topic is 2013, the death of the major label. Some of you are asking what that means, and we're going to explain that in just a second. But for right now, we're going to go into our first song of the day, and this is with an artist that we just spoke with last week, uh, Michael Ayers. This is Michael Ayers with Someone Else's Girl. You're listening to The Middleman Present, Talk of the Town, with Nick Eaton.
And that was Michael Ayers with someone else's girl. Man, one thing y'all can't deny, man, that brother can sing. Oh yeah, he's You know who you know who he reminds me of? Remember Tony Terry? Oh yeah. He actually Didn't he remind you of Tony Terry just a little bit? I'm going to tell you, he got a better voice than Tony Terry, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, a much better voice. But it does put you in the mind of him. Yes, he do. If you guys are just joining us, this is the Middleman Present Talk of the Town with Nick Eden. Today we are talking about the death of the major label, 2013. Now, we always say, oh, 2012, that's the end of the world. Well, I don't know about that. The Bible that I read says that no man knows the hour of the day. But anyway, 2013, why is that the death of the major label? Well, if you take a look at that description, it says very clearly, Lava Lamps, Happy Days, Mood Rings, MASH, and Jimmy Carter's Playboy interview weren't the only thing to come out of the 70s. In addition, copyright laws revised by the U.S. government granting artists and songwriters termination rights. The law states that 35 years after 1978, the recordings and songs owned by record labels or publishers will revert back to the artist or songwriter regardless of if the artist or songwriter was recouped, unrecouped, or whatever. What does this mean for, ra- for major recording companies? How will this affect the families of the deceased artists and songwriters? And how will this benefit emerging artists? Now, let me break this down for you, exactly what this means. And you want to know what's so crazy about this? Kevin, I had a couple people that I wanted to come in and talk about this topic today. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of yeses. I got a lot of yeses. We were going to have a an action-packed show. Okay. At the last minute, every last one of them just mysteriously pulled out. Why? Well, one person did go, you know, anonymous. An attorney based in Atlanta uh, works for a very prestigious firm. And basically what I was told was that because of the fact that the RIAA, for those of you who do not know, that is the Recording Industry Association of America, because of the RIAA's adamant, being adamant about this copyright law not hitting in 2013 like it was originally planned, they are severely cracking down on a lot of music industry professionals. And we all know that this is a business that's based on relationships. And... They're cracking down on a lot of them. And there are a lot of people that just flat out do not want to speak about this copyright law. Let me break down what this means for all of you aspiring artists out there, for you songwriters. And if any of you have any questions, definitely give us a call at 718-508-9972. If you're already on the line, you hit that number one. If you're on Skype, you go ahead and hit that button, and it'll bring you right, and we'll bring you right in. What this means is that any song... Before, from 1978 and back, had a 35-year, basically the labels had 35 years to do with whatever they needed to do with these songs. 35 years after 1978 is 2013, which means in 2013, all those songs, the ownership of those songs are going to go back to the songwriters who originally wrote songs. Now, this means a lot of great stuff for those songwriters, because as we know, uh, there were a lot of songwriters that got kind of screwed over. You know, people were messed out of their publishing. But all that is not going to matter after 2013. And the crazy thing about that is, every year after 2013, another batch of songs is going to go back to its original owners. 
Now, we all know that major labels right now, they're not making that much money off of new recordings. They're not. And don't let anybody fool you and say they're not making any money at all. But in comparison to what they were making in the 90s, 80s, and 70s, they're not making anywhere near. What they are doing is they're putting out a lot of catalog releases, i.e., you're ever at home, you're watching TV late at night, and you get that, oh, the best of Motown, the best of Stax, the best of Marvin Gaye, the best of the miracles. You know, you, we see those old, you know, we, we see the, the body and soul compilation. The, the very popular, now that's, now that's what I call music series. These are all considered catalog releases. These are recordings that the labels already own. They just repackage them, reorganize the track listing, and they put it out there. Run a couple of commercials. And people, for nostalgic reasons, they go and they buy these CDs over and over and over again. This is how the labels have been staying afloat. After 2013, they will not be able to just freely use those songs like that. After 2013, they are going to have to license the songs from the songwriters. Now, let's put this into more language terms. Kev, let's say that you wrote a song in 1965, and no, y'all, Kevin is not that old. <laughs> okay. But let's say you wrote a song in 1965... You took it to a label. They say, you know what, Kevin, we like your song. We're going to put your single out, and we're going to have you all over the place. They gave you a bad deal. They got control of your publishing, just everything, just everything. Okay. They just gave you the boot. And then on top of that, they say, well, it didn't sell like we wanted to, so you still owe us money. You haven't recou- we haven't recouped the money that we spent on you. Right. So now here comes 2013, and Kevin's family is saying, well, hey, we, don't, we are – in control of his estate, the song now reverts back to us. So you can't use this anymore. If you want to use this song again, regardless of whether you recoup on what you need to get from him, the song now belongs to us. You're going to have to pay us a licensing fee in order to use this song for your now that's what I call music and this and that. And this is essentially what's going to kill the major... Now, am I saying that major labels are going to be completely dead? No. What I'm saying is that the system that major labels use today is going to be completely obsolete once this occurs because they can't rely on those classic catalog recordings anymore. What do you think about this, guys? Let me know. Man, you know what? It's going to be a lot of families that's going to be very well off, and I hope that they got the estate right. I mean, that's the major thing. If they, if they um, have total control or total um, power of attorney over that estate, Man, it's some it's some people that's gonna be broke off like crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the labels know that they're gonna have they know they have to make this these catalog releases. They, they they cannot lose this. It's too much money for them. There's no way they can get rid of these catalog releases. So I got to thinking about it when when it was actually brought to my attention by uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Price, which is a co-owner of TuneCore. Many of you guys out there who are independent artists know that TuneCore is the company that can, they, they basically license out their distribution system with iTunes, Amazon, and many. Basically, if you want to get to iTunes, Amazon, get your music out there with digital distribution, TuneCore is one of the biggest companies to go with. He was actually the one who brought this up in the newsletter. And the first thing I got to thinking about was, wow. Think about Smokey Robinson. He's going to have control over all those songs again. 
think about Stevie Wonder, who even though Stevie Wonder had a state-of-the-art record deal, now he's going to have complete and total control out of every last one of those songs that he wrote. The estate of Norman Whitfield, they're going to have complete control over all of those songs, with all those classic Temptations and Diana Ross. Just, just think about it. The Beatles catalog is going to completely revert back, and they've been reusing and reusing the Beatles catalog like it's nobody's business over the last 20 years. That's going to completely revert back to the estates. <laughs> so this puts us in a position where now the big question is, what does that mean for the major recording companies? Well, they're either going to have to do one or one, two things. They're either going to have to pay these heavy licensing fees to get these catalog releases back out because they need to make money off of them. Or they're going to have to do what they're supposed to do in the first place. And that's concentrate on marketing and promoting the new talent that is coming up. This is why I say these things are good for emerging artists. Now let's look at this scenario. I've got this person, prime example, Smokey Robinson. Do you really think that any label out there in the present time is saying, well, you know, we need to make Smokey Robinson, we need to give him a, a key position within our company? Yeah. <laughs> you would think they would say that, but based on an industry that pushes people out based on their age, not likely. However, in a year and a half, Smokey is going to have control over of over 50% of the Motown catalog. So yeah, in order wrote, for them to keep yeah. me... Now I'm saying he wrote majority of that music that they got. Exactly. So think about the licensing fee that they would have to pay out to Smokey Robinson in order... And you know, Motown is one of the most widely reissued catalogs in music. Hmm. They Every year something new with Motown now. Oh, this new box package, this, 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 is that, this, 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 and that. So now, these ladies are going to say, hmm, all right, well, we can't pay this fee because we just, it's going to kill us. Why don't we offer Smokey a, a large position with the company? And then that way we can be like, hey, Smokey, let's, uh, let's get some of the, more of those catalog releases. I know you want to get some of those out there. And it's, it's just a tactic. It's a tactic. But what does that do? That puts... The people like Smokey Robinson, the people like the Stevie Wonders, the stars, the people who are responsible for the music, this puts them back in control of the music industry, which has been stretched out and it went from being run by musicians to being run by interns. <laughs> so now this puts everybody back in control. So how does this benefit you emerging artists out there? Ownership, just like we said, ownership. They need as many new songs as they can. Now that they're losing the old ones, they're losing a bulk of old songs. Think about how many songs were composed up to, from the first recorded song all the way to 1978. Think about that, Kev. Yeah. They're going to need to replenish their banks with new songs. So all you songwriters out there, all you producers out there, this is the time where they're going to have to be dealing with you more than ever because they have to re- replenish these catalogs. Because they just can't take some old stuff out the banks anymore. Because all that stuff is going back. All of it's gone. Well, would you say that that would give artists the opportunity to get away from these 360 deals that they're shooting out there now? 
I would I, I would like to say that. I would like to say that. I think that that's gonna that's gonna put a lot of more people in position that don't have their business together. That's gonna mm-hmm. put them in more position to where they're gonna be in worse three sixty deals because like I said, because they're losing so much they have to regain a lot and they have to regain it quickly. So they may be quick to sign such and such to a publishing deal, such and such artist out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to a publishing deal or a recording deal. But it's definitely going to be multi rights. If they can negotiate a multi rights deal because they've got to make up for their loss, then they're going to do it. I don't think it's going to put the 350 deal out of the mold, I think it's going to change everything. Just the grand scheme of everything, just the it's just the, the scope of how everything is done. Right. They got a cowtown on fashion a little bit. So, and, and that's really what it comes down to. Like I said, if you'd like to get in on this conversation, go ahead and give us a call seven one eight five zero eight nine nine seven two. Now, Kev, you just actually brought up a great point in terms of what this is going to do with the estates, which is one of the questions that we ask. What does this mean for the estate? Of deceased artists Now right. It's all about control If you don't control the estate You don't control The songs Flat out If anybody remembers the movie Why the Fools Fall in Love That's the movie where Lorenz Tate played The uh, as Al would say The late great Frankie Lyman Now there was controversy In that case Because of the song Why Do Fools Fall in Love On who was the original composer of it Frankie Lyman, along with, I I forgot the guy's name, um, but it was another member of the Teenagers, were listed as the songwriters. However, the CEO of the recording company who signed them listed himself as a songwriter, too. And this went on for years and years, and it was the inspiration for the movie and court cases and everything. Although who owned the estate of Frankie Lyman, at the end of the day, they still had him, the CEO, listed as one of the songwriters. Now... Carmen Santiago was the other uh, was the other uh, member of the group that wrote the song. Anyway, so now you have this thing where the estate of Frankie Lyman in 2013 is going to completely own his portion of the song. So is the estate of Carmen Santiago. But here you have this label owner, which this was a common practice. Man, I wish we had Charlie right now. He break it down for you for real. But this was a very common practice for CEOs and and producers and and A and R's to list themselves as songwriters for music that they did not compose. It's still a common practice today. There have been several lawsuits against artists like Usher, Beyonce, Alicia Keys for getting songwriter credit for a song that they didn't write. So they still get a piece of this pie. They still get a portion of it. And I just I think that's I think that's very interesting. And the crazy thing about it is, who's going to benefit out of this the most? The people who are going to benefit out of this the most are the songwriters, like the Smokey Robinsons, like the Stevie Wonders. These are going to be the guys that are going to benefit from this the most because they've had control of their songs from the get go. Yeah, I think we got Al in. Al, you there? 
Yeah, they got had a couple of people. Uh, they just wanted you to uh, review what's going to happen again in 2013 with the copyright. So could you just state that again briefly so all the ones who just now tuning in could know what's about to happen in 2013 with the copyright law? Okay. In the 1970s, the copyright law was revised by the U.S. government, and it granted artists and songwriters termination rights. That law stated that 35 years after 1978, the recordings and the songs owned by record labels or publishers will revert back to the artist or songwriter regardless of if the artist or songwriter was recouped, unrecouped, etc. So in layman's terms, that means 35 years after 1978, which is 2013, all of the songs that were composed from 1978 and back will revert back to the original songwriters. The labels will no longer own these songs. The labels have no other, they have no right to re-release the songs, reissue the songs, remix the songs, or anything like that without the songwriter's consent because after that, it does not belong to the labels anymore. Hmm. Hopefully that gets everybody like back up to, to speed. Now, as you yeah. can imagine, the labels there are fighting it. They are fighting it. And one of the biggest issues is coming from the the RIAA, which I spoke of early, earlier, the Recording Industry Association of America. Now, if you guys are familiar with this association, this is the association that audits the albums put out by artists for gold and platinum certifications. They also battle on the quote-unquote rights of the recording industry. But it's very, it's, it's, it's a very corrupt organization. Most of you who have iMesh or LimeWire or BearShare or any one of those sharing uh, softwares, you may be familiar with them because the RIAA is who actually decided that it's a good idea. Hey, let's sue the fans. This is the same company. Now, what they are saying is that, and, this, and I quote, we believe that the termination right does not apply to most sound recordings. The RIAA's position is that artists never owned the recordings or songs in the first place, so how could they revert back to them? They were just employees hired by the label to record their own songs. Therefore, the labels own the recordings forever. Hold on, repeat that. Until repeat they enter public domain. Repeat that again, Nick. We're going to say this one more time. This is, a, this is by the RIA. This is their position on termination right. We believe that the termination right does not apply to most sound recordings. The RIAA's position is that the artist never owned the recordings or the songs in the first place. So how could they revert back to them? They were just employees hired by the label to record their own songs. Therefore, the labels own the recordings forever or until they enter public domain. So basically, wow. The RIAA, the people that are supposed to be fighting for the artists and the songwriters out there are saying, well, hey, you were signed to a label, so you never owned the song anyway. You were just hired to record your own song. And that is called what, Nick? Work a work for hire. hire. That is if you have signed some type of work for hire agreement. But they are basing this on the entire scheme of the recording industry. They are saying that overall, you know, unless it's specified as being work for hire, that these songs belong to the labels because the labels are the ones who finance the recording 
in some cases, even though a lot of recordings were recorded long before they got to the label. But uh, because the label financed the recordings, that they own the songs. Well, I got a question for you. How, how would that, how could an artist of today protect themselves from a situation like that, even with the uh, the companies like you got BMI and ASCAP? How can they protect themselves to make sure that they own their rights, even with their own publishing, if they do go with their own publishing company? Well, let's write down the let's write down BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC. Those aren't publishing companies that are performing rights organizations. These organizations exist for the sole purpose to track down the public performance, track the, basically track your radio spins, your video spins, the public performances, and for you to get paid based on those public performances of your song. The publishing companies affiliate themselves with either BMI, CSAC, or ASCAP, and it is up to the publishing companies to distribute that money to the songwriters and producers. So what this will mean for Joe Blow in Selma, Alabama, first thing you need to do is you need to have your music copywritten. And I'm telling you right now that poor man's copyright of mailing it to yourself does not hold up in court. Unfortunately, we live in a society where they say it's our system, it's our way or the highway. So you have to go through the proper steps of copywriting your music. The second thing, and this is one thing that I was told, this, this is one thing that Killer Mike told me but maybe about four or five years ago. As an artist, it's very important. Sign yourself to your own company. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I remember Charlie saying something similar. Yeah, I heard that too. Correct, yeah, he said that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Sign yourself. The more paperwork you have, see, we think that, especially for those out there who are very self-sufficient, uh, somebody I'll use as an example of being self-sufficient, Dub G. Dub G writes, produces, records, and in most cases mixes, um, does the graphics, does the photo shoot. He's, he's literally, he can do the entire operation from his area. But the one thing I can say about him is he has paperwork on himself as if he were signing another artist. It's the same thing. The more you protect yourself legally, the better off you are. So that way, the thing about it is these labels, they cannot fight a legally binding document. If everything is right on the paperwork, they have to deal with you on that business level. That is a way to protect yourself. Make sure that you are protecting yourself by making sure that your paperwork is right. I know it doesn't seem important. I know you're like, oh, man, I don't want to pay this money to get this copywritten. I don't want to pay this money to get this. But it's worth it because at the end of the day, what you would spend out to make sure that everything is taken care of, it doesn't compare to how much you'll lose if you just get screwed over like that. So that's the absolute best way to do it. Hey, we do we have a caller, right? Yeah, we got a caller. We got a caller. You okay. want to bring the call in? Yeah. Right. Caller, 662-397. You're live on the Talk of the Town. What's up? Hey, what's going on with it, Alan? All right, what's up? What's up, man? Ain't nothing to it. I want to know for those who are not inclined to the business side of it, um, could you give some points or some hints on where we could go to get our copyrights and um, right places on the Internet to look, get these things taken care of? There's one place for you to go in terms of copywriting. And let me, uh, and, and let me correct myself real quick. Uh, by definition, the song is copywritten once you write it. Once it's in tangible form, 
is copywritten. However, you go through the Library of Congress to register it. That way it's registered, it's in their system. So if there's ever any type of legal situation about who owns the song, you have a document that says, hey, by per the Library of Congress of the United States of America, I own the rights to this sound recording. What you would need to do is you would need to go to www.loc.gov. That's libraryofcongress.gov, loc.gov. And in this case, you will be downloading a form SR. That's form SR for sound recording. We're going to put this entire process on the Middleman Facebook page, so when you get a chance, head over to the page and uh, put that down. And, and go ahead and check that out. Uh, I appreciate that. All good. And I will also I will also say, um, are you affiliated with the performing rights organization, BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC? No, not at this point. Okay. If you haven't done Honestly, that, brother, you might want to do that. There's no real preference that I would say I've been affiliated with ASCAP since 2001. There's no real preference. They all do great jobs. They all essentially work to do the same thing, but you need to affiliate yourself with one of them. You're going to have to establish a publishing company. That keeps you protected in terms of the money that you would make from your song being played on the radio or being played, a video being played on TV, even with commercials, internet radio, satellite radio, all of these different avenues that this is why your publishing is so important. So I would look into affiliating with either BMI, CSAC, or ASCAP. I'll put the links up to that. When at the end of the show, anybody out there that's listening, if you want to know how to to keep yourself protected in any type of way dealing with the music business, we're going to put all this on the Middleman Facebook page. So within about 10 to 15 minutes after the show is off, you'll be able to go onto the site and check it out. Bet that up. Appreciate that. Hey, you know what, though, Nick, man, as far as when it comes to ASCAP and BMI, man, you can actually request the literature from both of those companies so you can see which one would be more beneficial to you. Because I know, like, one of them, their pay scale is a little bit different as far as once you would receive your your checks uh, from that particular company, which you got to have something in rotation and it got to be uh, recognized by that station. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. BDS or media-based monitors, in any sense. This is why these things are so important. Because you have to realize that as the years go by, I, I, I really don't think that the labels were really thinking about 2013 coming up so quickly. So you have to think, now they're going to really be on their guard about how, who they do business with. So in this instance... This is the best time to get yourself together. And this is a continuing thing that we talk about on the Middleman Talk Show and on Talk of the Town with Nick Eaton all the time. Ownership. Making sure that your business is right before you step to these companies or before they step to you. That's the only way you're going to get a fair shake in this. One thing I learned a long time ago, you don't, you never get how much you deserve. You get how much you negotiate. You have to learn how to negotiate. But if you don't know how much you're worth, <laughs> then they, they know how much you're worth. They're not gonna give you anything near it unless you got your business together. Now, any comments on that, Kev? Kyle? No, I agree with everything you just said. Now he's actually still on the um, on the highway, still traveling, man. So he good. He good. Okay. Yeah. But um, I mean, it, it's 
it's very informative with the information that you're putting up. I hope you guys go to our Facebook page and make sure you check that out. But, man, even with um, starting your own publishing company, man, you got to make sure that, you know, you stay on top of your business because somebody will stay on top of it for you. And you look around and wonder, where did my money go? And it can happen very fast. Oh, yeah. So does that mean... With, with the so this is, of, this is the, the thing now. Uh huh. We're approaching 20, 2013. Okay. Both the labels and the artists, they're they're trying to hold on, get back, or or quickly acquire some rights. Like at at, at this point, we know the labels aren't going to go down fighting. Now they may say, look, we're going to. They may go to a Smokey Robinson and say, look, we'll pay you a lump sum for your entire catalog. And for someone who maybe wrote a hit in the 50s or the 60s, maybe a couple of hits, and their money has dried up, they might need that. If they still I, alive. I would definitely imagine that someone in Smokey's position would be like, well, no, I think I'm going to go ahead and take control of my my rights. Right. But the labels are vastly arguing that the artists cannot do this. This is not right. Only the labels should be able to market and distribute their records. How pompous is that? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, though. How pompous is that to sit up here and say that only we should have a right? And this is what you have to think about. Think about everything that they're losing and have lost. First, they lost the right to distribute records. Mm-hmm. iTunes took care of that. Apple, Amazon... E-music, graphically, all they lost that right. They lost control over that. If you remember back in the day, that that was your only way in. The only thing they really, they're about to lose the song themselves, so the only thing they really have control over is radio. Because let's just be honest, major radio is still largely controlled by labels. Right. It is. But they're slowly losing that. With the emergence of internet radio, satellite radio, podcasts, you know, they're, they're losing it. Things like the Middleman Talk Show where we will debut new music by artists that may not get a fair shake on a traditional radio show. Right. So you got to realize these uh, these labels are fighting tooth and nail to get it. But do you blame them? This is the, no, I can't blame them at all because this is the same, this is the same industry that refused to conform with how the business was changing. Mm-hmm. The internet is killing them? The internet is killing them, and they could have honestly had control over the internet a long time ago. And let me tell you what I mean. I hate to get off subject, but um, this was a discussion I was having with a a gentleman I worked with previously, and he brought up a great point. The music business could have had this all under control a long time ago. One, if if they had done three things. The first thing, if they would have gotten into the subscription-based cloud services or music services that we have online, i.e., uh, the Amazon Cloud, uh, Spotify, which just came up, which is basically you pay a certain amount a month and you get unlimited, you know, downloads or unlimited listenership. Right. Uh, Rhapsody does that. If they would have started that instead of trying to fight the internet when it first came out, think about this, Kev. Think about if somebody would have come to you and said, "Look, if you give us ten ninety nine a month, 
Mm-hmm. You can download all the albums you want. Right. All Man. the albums you want for ten ninety nine a month. If they would have told you that in nineteen ninety nine, I would have had the album out. Yes, sir. Exactly. Exactly. If they could have had control of this a long time, but no, they decided to fight. The second thing that they did wrong, they went after the artists and the songwriters, who they were already screwing over. Well, we need this much from you now. Because we're losing money from the internet, so we need this much from you now. We need this much of your rights. And these artists were like, well, you know what? I'm at the end of my contract anyway, and I've seen that some people are starting to go independent. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go independent. And so they lost the artists. And finally, when they were backed up into a corner and they had no other choice, they attacked the fans. I know several people that have been sued by the RIAA. Yeah, my homeboy got one of them letters in the mail, too. How crazy is that? Very crazy. We're losing money, so we're going to sue the people that spend money with us. But, you know, I just want everybody to know that this is the, 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 the mentality that these labels are using. But, Nick, you know so what one thing, too, man... I'm just saying, Meg, it, it just seems like what you were saying as far as the death of the record label, the music industry or whatnot, you know, it's like everything that you're talking about is culminating to what is what we're having right now with these labels, man, being they, they're not conforming. Like you said, they, they, they didn't bend to what was coming, be it the uh, copyright laws or the Internet or just the way that they're doing artists now, you know, not even seeing how people are independently making money. I mean, it's it's like it's going to all come. I mean, but you know how all the labels are consolidating right now. There's only going to be two in a little bit anyway. But if people will realize they can make more money, and if they find a way to shut down the Internet, I hope that it would hurt everything. But if they don't, more people can still go independent and make more money without having to be signed to a major label. A label just equal exposure. That's basically it. You know, but... The internet gives you that same exposure. You know? Well, let's look at it like this. Because you just brought up a great point. Think about the social interaction. They've made a lot of money off of fan clubs, off of different things like that, keeping the artists essentially hidden. This is why they didn't like Tupac. If social networking would have been around when Tupac was alive... You know, I do I do not believe that he would have signed Death Row. I do not believe that he would stay within the major label system because he had such a connection with his fans and he was so open about talking to his fans. You would have seen Tupac on Twitter. He would have been releasing albums on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Think about what they lost with that. They yeah. they lost a lot of revenue with that. And like I said, instead of just saying, okay, we're going to roll with the punches, they're saying we're going to fight it. Prime example, one thing that they're fighting now is this entire situation with um, the copyright laws for the U.S. and the U.K. are affecting people all over the world. They have an extradition law that they're trying to put into effect to where, let's say you have a music sharing service, but you live in Ireland. So you have a music sharing service like iMesh or BearShare or or NASA or LineWire or whatever. Because you have a .com or a .net as your surname for your website, 
they can extradite you to the United States and bring you up on criminal charges. Even though you never committed a crime in the U.S. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, seriously now. I I want people to think about how hard they are fighting this tooth and nail. And I want you to realize the desperation and what lengths they will go to for the almighty dollar. So what I am saying to all of you independent artists out there, if you know, now you know how sneaky your enemy is. We're going to call him the enemy. Now you know how sneaky your enemy is. Now you know how prepared you have to be. And don't ever be afraid to ask questions to the, the gentleman I called him a little earlier. Thank you. Thank you for asking questions. There are a lot of artists that you don't realize that because of pride or because they don't want to seem like, oh, I don't know anything, they won't ask questions, and they will get screwed over time and time again. See, somebody like the caller we had a little bit earlier, see, once he gets the business straight, they're not going to be able to come at him with no BS. True that. They're not going to, they're not going to be able to come. With, they're not going to be able to come here with any type of BS. As we get to the close of the show, I really want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. We thank you that you've been riding with the middleman for the last uh, coming about three years now, aren't we? Uh, yeah, sir. Man, I'm getting tired of dealing with y'all. Not playing. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, yeah, make sure y'all three years, and I'm telling you right now, we're just getting started. Most y'all have no idea what we got coming in the next couple months. And thank yeah. you for everybody who's been riding with Talk of the Town. We're going into our ninth month of Talk of the Town, and like I said, we're gonna keep doing it as long as you guys keep tuning in on Thursday. And um, I got kind of twisted into uh, t- twisted into doing this. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't like self promotion at all. I don't care. I like the record. <laughs> I don't like self promotion at all. We're gonna play a we're gonna play a, uh, a record by myself. It's called Take Control, and it's just it's pretty much in line with the theme of what we all do. Let the music take control, man. This is Middleman Present Talk of the Town with Nikki. Take Control by Nikki.
And that was myself, Nick Eaton, with Take Control. You know, I don't like self-promotion like that, man. I don't know why you did that to man, me. Man, the record is hot, man. I don't care what you say. I, I played the record. How about that? I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I sure I appreciate that. Uh, if you're just now tuning in, um, today we talked about 2013, the death of the major label. And in about 15 minutes, you'll be able to go back and download this show and listen to it. You can also download the show from last week with Carl Thomas. Very interesting conversation. Uh, I want to see what's going to happen with this challenge, this cook-off challenge between Kevin and Carl. I want to see how this comes out. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. He don't want none. Uh, I, don't yeah. I, mean, I want to see how that turns out. And don't forget to tune in this coming Sunday to the Middleman Talk Show at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Central Time. Let me say it again. <laughs> Make sure you tune in. This Sunday, we're going to be talking about Blame It on Rio. What are you talking about, Blame It on Rio? What, this, what is that? Why are we blaming it on Rio? We're blaming it on Rio because of this recent explosion. When I say recent, I mean within the last five years of men going down to Rio to procure um, sex from beautiful young ladies in financial ways. It's huge. There's a whole culture that stands because of it. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about these beautiful women were going to talk about the diseases that they carry when you get down there and the dangers of going. We're not trying to discourage you from going to Rio, but let's just be honest. Going down to Brazil and getting your thing on, you might want to be a little extra careful. Especially if you got a wife at home. Shouldn't be doing it anyway. But we're going to talk about all that this coming Sunday on the Middleman Talk Show. And it's going to be all four of us. Oh, yeah. Al, Kev, myself, Jen. Jen's probably going to call into this show in about, about 50 hour. minutes. No, about yeah. an hour. About an hour. You didn't miss anything? <laughs> she don't even come out of the studio no more. She just call out. I don't even get out of here. Anyway. Thank you for tuning in to the, the Middleman Presents Talk of the Town with Nick Eaton. Go ahead and hit them out with that outro. Hey, before we do that, man, we got a conference call for all the artists that are in Mississippi. Um, we're trying to build a networking uh well, build up a networking type situation in Mississippi. So next Wednesday, next Wednesday, you guys need to tune in to the Middleman Talk Show on Wednesday. We'll be posting up that time real soon. Join us on Facebook. Become a friend. So y'all, y'all make sure y'all tune in because if you out there doing your thing in the state of Mississippi, our man Big V, we're hosting his uh, monthly conference called the Middleman Talk Show. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday. Alright? That'd be the thing to do. Alright now. Let's do it. The middle men shout it. Big crit shout it. Now I ain't sure what you was tuning in to. We'll pay attention to the real talk. What we here for. So take a listen time. I take a minute. Shout in and learn some. Put your mind to grind the world. You destined to earn some. Linda, yeah. Comment on what you hear. Let's figure out this master plan and put this thing in gear. Don't matter if you hood or you corporate. Don't get you got a wheel to do way better than you were doing. Well, then you fortunate. Take a stand. Stop complaining about what you ain't got. Hating on the next man because he was down the wreck shop. Every Sunday, tune in. Go live 6 p.m. Blog Talk Radio.com. The middle me.